Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Welcome everyone, uh, welcome to Spotty, this streaming to you live from Melbourne town, here from the Ticker News studio in glamorous Richmond, where we shine a spotlight on your shares and answer your questions live on air. So join in the fun, especially on the one year anniversary of the bottom of the COVID correction and of course the subsequent wealth that's been created since then. Congratulations to all of you. I know you're smarter than the average bear. You would have done very well. So how do you get to ask your questions? That was last year. Let's look a year ahead. You can text us. Dex is waiting to take your text message 0480 079089 or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. Of course, you will see those contact details appear at the bottom of the screen throughout the show. But as I always remind you, put it into your smartphone. It makes it much easier when you have that itch that needs scratching. All right, let's uh, bring in uh, today's chief spotters, starting with my partner in shine, Chris Bratchelor. G'day, Chris. How are you doing? Hey, Elio. Very well. Nice to be with you. Yeah, and I uh, sincerely hope your uh, home hasn't flo floated away in the recent floods. Of course, our thoughts and, and the like uh, definitely go out to everyone there, Chris. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your investment style, and I suppose, you know, the, the journey that you've been on um, that's now brought us together. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the markets now for pushing 30 years. Um, I focus on industrial companies primarily and particularly like to look at the small to, to mid cap part of the market. Uh, I would probably be classified as a value investor, although I'm not exclusively such. I do have some growth stocks in my portfolio, but I'm always looking at you know, what are the prospects for the business? How well is the business run? Is it a quality business? And then the final step is to compare that with the price and see what I think it's worth worth paying for it. Um, in terms of career, you know, I've run a stock market research business. I've been involved in um, stock market education, financial markets education for many years. And uh, I used to run your main competitor, your previous role. And so the two of us knew of each other and, and met and came together. And now we're um, partnering in this new venture. Indeed, we will. The next chapter, of course, being defined tonight at our seven o'clock meeting. But I won't uh, air our dirty laundry here. Young Chris. Uh, next is a man with a specialty at looking at the market, definitely from left field. It's our resident cycle trader. It's David Hunt from the Profit Hunters Group. G'day, David. How are you doing? Elia. And you're here so, in the studio. I'm alive. I've made it down. I've come to have a few beers with Lindsay, and maybe at least he's probably fixed his steps. Okay. A well, bit of non-slip on his steps. <laughs> Let's uh, sincerely hope that's the case. A touchy subject for us uh, servants here in Victoria, I might add, young David. But look, jokes aside, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background story, how you got to be here in Richmond today, yep. and how you help investors every single day at the Profit Hunters okay. Group? Well, 
Um, I've been in the markets probably nearly for just on just on uh, about 40 years now, um, uh, about 35 years in corporate treasury, or since I started in corporate treasury and then moved into funds management, and uh, was a proprietary trader at Macquarie Bank, trading on the banks, on the bank's uh, balance sheet, which was good fun, great fun. Uh, so. I moved into uh, stocks and commodities. I moved from commodities and foreign exchange into stocks at people's request. Yep. And uh, suddenly somebody asked me, why don't you uh, just give us advice? And I said, well, don't worry about it. I'll put it in a paper. You can read it in the financial review. And he said, no, 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 I want to pay you. And I went, oh, I have to, I have to think about that. It took me about two years and I got around to doing it. Yeah. And so I do that now. I do that across stocks, commodities. Uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, etc., and also in international markets. So I cover a broad range from short-term to long-term investments. And a key part of that, of course, is delivering webinars to your clients on a frequent yes, and absolutely. regular basis, sometimes while you're a little late when you jump on the show. <laughs> um, but uh, you've got a special offer, though, for viewers of uh, Spotty who are interested in wanting to yes. learn more about your yeah, forecast. Yeah, for, 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 for people who uh, want, to, want to have a look at my forecast, you, for $1, uh, you can join up as a silver member on the website profithunters.com.au using the uh, code SPOTTY. SPOTTY. And you'll get $1. That's, that's, uh, you get, you'll save a lot of money. You'll get a month's worth of my work to see what, it, what it's like. If you don't mm -hmm. like it, that's fine. If you do like yep. it, then you can, you can renew. Of course. So uh, that's profithunters.com.au. And remember, the little code you got to put in there is our name, Spotty, S-P-O-T-E-E, if you haven't figured it out by now. All right, currently the market as we go to air started positively today. We've got the All Ordinaries up 0.36%, back above 7,000. We've got the uh, XJO, the 200, up 0.42%. So looks like it's a larger caps again, driving the sentiment as they did yesterday. Let's look at some of the market news and I want to start with Kathmandu first who reported first half sales of some 410 million New Zealand dollars up some 12.9% compared to a year ago. The vast majority of that growth though coming from Ripcurl. Underlying EBITDA rose 19% showing good cost control and the firm will resume paying dividends two cents New Zealand per share to be precise. Though there's no formal guidance CEO Xavier Simonet sounded very positive um, Chris, it's another one of these retailers that have been able to buck the COVID fear and have delivered. Although if you read the result, it definitely was a uh, result of two halves, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, Elio. Um, yeah, whilst they have put in what could be only described as a fairly decent result, it, it really is nowhere near as strong as a lot of the other uh, players in this space. A lot of retailers have been pulling, pulling in record results and really showing a lot of strength as a result of COVID. Um, Kathmandu's was, was good, but it, it certainly wasn't staggering. Mm. They're only, in fact, they're less than 50% of the level that they were at pre-COVID in terms of the share price. So, you know, whilst they've bounced off their lows, they've still got a long way to go to get back to those sorts of levels. It's interesting to note, you know, and you mentioned it in your intro there that they're no longer just the hiking and adventure wear company that we tend to associate with the stores that we see around the place. In fact, they acquired Rip Curl back in uh, 2019, and that's now about 61% sales. And, and the traditional Kathmandu business is actually only 31%. They've also got a, a US hiking boots manufacturer called Oboz. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the results were positive but you know, not staggering. And one thing I thought, thought was an interesting point to note was their online sales increased from nine to 13%. 
which again, whilst positive, that's really well behind the experience of a lot of retailers over the last mm. 12 months. A lot of other retailers are showing, you know, 20% of sales coming from online up to 30% and so on. And, and these are, you know, traditional bricks and mortar type retails, not the um, online focused retailers. So, you know, they're lagging a bit behind in that regard. They're also impacted pretty heavily by some of the, the uh, lockdowns. You know, um, a lot of stores in Melbourne were closed for a long period of time. A couple of, well, I think, 14 stores in Auckland for a couple of weeks there. And then, you know, the, the travel restrictions. Uh, people traditionally would have bought some of the, you know, warm weather, wet weather gear to have their Northern Hemisphere holidays. And of course, that's not happening at the moment. So some positive signs for a bright future post COVID, but current valuation around 16 times doesn't look overstretched. So yeah, overall, I'm fairly positive on it, but there's certainly not a standout like some of the other retail stocks that we've seen in recent times. Well, David, the market had begged to differ with young Chris because, of course, at the moment, it's up some eight and a half percent on the back of the news. Um, you know, what's your view in regards to Kathmandu? Yep, as Chris said, no one was going to the Northern Hemisphere. We don't need the Woolies, but we've all bought Rip Curl. It looks like... I think they're walking around the boardroom at the moment feeling pretty chuffed, thinking that, oh, I think we might have made a good decision there. Um, what's the uh, charts uh, uh, showing you there? I'll go personal. I'm a surfer, and I think it was a very bad move to buy Ripcurl yeah. because Ripcurl was already really saturated and at full price. And ever since it peaked at $2.46, that was around the time it took over Ripcurl, yep. and it just got smashed. Uh, that aside, so... I would expect this to get a, up to about $1.69. I would be taking profit on there if I owned some or cutting my losses if I owned from $2, which I probably wouldn't, but just in case I was, I'd be prepared to, to get out down, up, up at that level. Charts are very mixed. It's in a big correction and it could have another shoe to drop down to 50 cents at some stage, probably due to overpaying for Rip Curl and just problems with not being able to travel at all. Yeah, well, I think that's pats on the back all round from our guests, but uh, they're sort of pushing them through the door and looking at other opportunities. Well, that's my take. Uh, other news uh, includes our results coming through from Sigma Health, whose turnaround program seen, uh, since losing the chemist warehouse contract looks like it's in train and uh, doing quite well. Project Pivot uh, has generated some $100 million worth of efficiencies. Debt has been reduced. Sales are up uh, and a dividend of one cent has been declared. Uh, the company has said that there are opportunities for growth organically, and that's what the market will be looking for. Chris, what did you take from the result? Of course, losing a massive contract like Chemist Warehouse was always going to be a kick in the belly. Um, they seem to be picking themselves up though and are ready to go for the next mall. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty positive result. Um, came in about around 15% above expectations, which is obviously a, you know, a good thing. Um, they have returned to profitability and they interestingly didn't receive any direct government support such as JobKeeper, which means that they've done done all of the uh, the hard work themselves. Uh, they've also reinstated their dividend and you know they're going to try and maintain a payout ratio of 70% moving forward. And one thing I thought that was you know, worth noting is that really um, reduced the leverage on their balance sheet and such that their net debt to equity now is down under 10%. So you know, what that means is it's probably a fairly low risk sort of business with a sustainable growth pattern. It's not one that's going to be a hyper growth business, but if they can leverage some of these efficiencies in terms of technology and their distribution centers, you know, then they should be able to capitalize on that scale and, and steadily grow. So yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty positive. 
Okay, well, a different tone was set from New Hope Corporation, though, in uh, what's been a tough half for them for coal prices in particular, EBITDA down some 62%. The company also recording a loss. And a new Aquilin project is back in the courts to get to stage three approvals, uh, with the decision not expected until next year. Um, but true to name, there are some rays of hope. Uh, Bengala continues to perform well. The coal price has improved and demand from Asia is still strong. David, uh, New Hope, Charts at the moment, interesting uh, juncture of its own personal story, given yeah. what's occurring in the broader sphere. Yeah, certainly it's become a hated stock on, the, um, on certain political areas. Mm. But what we saw with Texas is that people need baseload power. And what we also see is China, which is one of the world's big, best polluters, I've got to say top class polluter, is buying coal and Japan wants coal. So I think it's forming a base here. We'll probably look for $2.35 in the long run. At the moment, we probably have a stop loss down at $1.18. I was trying to buy it off the $1 area and the bad news kept on coming. Uh, but this is a this is a good little goal, a good little coal stock. I've got to use the word coal stock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's got something to it. It will probably get knocked down by hate, yeah. haters in the end. But mm -hmm. at, at the moment, you know, it's pick it up, have a tight stop in case it's okay. It's reasonable as an investment. I wouldn't put it on as a trade though. No, and the lovers are definitely backing uh, all the other forms of energy at the moment. And I'm sure a few will be raised in discussions today. But Chris, I can't let you go. I know it's beyond three topics, but this one here was an interesting one because I noticed the church donor uh, business uh, push pay. Uh, PPH has announced that uh, in the US, uh, US investor, sorry, Sixth Street has taken up the other 17.8% in the stake of the business that the Holyoke uh, family have now sold. So basically, they've got rid of all their interests now. Um, Sixth Street has some $50 billion worth of money under management, uh, US dollars, that is, and they've got experience in the software and tech space. I know you've written about this before in the past. Is this finally a stage where a new testament for investors could be written for push pay? Um, now that this is finally uh, removed from, uh, you know, from the site. Um, yeah, I don't read too much into it, to be perfectly honest. I think you've got to take the perspective. Uh, the, the general reaction when people see a, a founder selling down is that they think, oh, they've lost confidence in the business. Um, I think you've got to uh, look at the founder's perspective. And, and from their point of view, they've invested probably a considerable amount of money in the early days. They've now made a small fortune, something in the order of half a billion dollars. And they're probably just saying, look, it's time to de-risk our portfolio, to diversify across a whole range of different investments. And maybe they want to sit back and relax for a bit. So from their perspective, I don't think it necessarily shows a, um, you know, a negative view towards the company. I think they're probably just uh, happy with where they're at in terms of uh, how that well they went with that particular investment. I think you know the business is probably now in a good position. As you said, this this new cornerstone investor, they have a history of investing in these types of businesses. Um, the business itself, the underlying fundamentals, they haven't changed. You know, the the demand for their service is still there. We're still seeing in in the U.S. Um, you know significant uh, rates of COVID, although it is coming down at a rapid rate, which is good. But I think that that whole transition in terms of how churches give, I noticed, you know, in, in my own church here in, in Sydney, that putting money into the bucket or the bag is no longer an option. It's just not, I guess, COVID safe. So really online, even though 
people are now attending services and you know the hall is filling up uh, people are still using online giving and that is being strongly encouraged and the passing of the plate just no longer happens so i think you know they're in a good place all right okay well the market's definitely happy now that the overhang's gone because it was known that they were uh, selling down of course the stock up 4.8 percent to a dollar 73 and a half as we go to air okay it's time for us to answer your questions which uh, therefore requires me to remind you that our answers to your questions have not taken into account your personal circumstances situations or needs and therefore should you decide to act on any of that information you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances yes past performance is no indicator of future performance and if you wish to discuss with anyone other than your significant other in life about any of the content from today's show you need to do so with an advisor that's licensed to have those conversations with you also remember our guests do hold interest in stocks we try to remember to disclose that when we talk about them but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion sometimes we forget so feel free to contact us all uh directly um and even david for uh, during his one month trial there for one dollar uh, profithunters.com.au um in order to get uh, further clarification as to whether we do have an interest or not and of course Spad spotty is proud to be powered by our great sponsors at share wealth systems Remember, go to the website, sharewealthsystems.com, to learn how they've helped Australian investors outperform by giving them an edge over others. So why don't you be the tortoise and win the race of investing life? Go to the uh, website after the program, of course, sharewealthsystems.com to learn more. All right then, gentlemen, let's get into questions. David, I'm gonna hit you with this first one. The question comes from Adonis, and he was aware you were coming on the program because he's asked specifically for you, and I'll start with the, um, uh, the big guy first, Fortescue, FMG, of course, for those playing along at home, would like to know where FMG is currently sitting from an Elliott Wave count perspective. Well, FMG, I've, liked, I've not liked the look of it for a while. Mm. I've been thinking down towards probably about $16 on a normal count. Down there, it, we're looking at a fourth wave of Donison. and I've known you for a number of years and great to see you're still you're around. Um, looking for um, looking for that $16 areas to $17 area for a pickup in a fourth wave, and then we'll be looking for higher levels. Um, the, we're talk, they're talking about uh, drops in iron ore prices at the moment. We, I've been looking. I was hoping for 180 US dollars a um, a, a ton in uh, Chinese iron ore, but it didn't quite get there. It got to about $178 from my data, and now it's pulling back. So this is a normal correction looking to pick it up a little bit later on. Remember, we are kind of going into a bit of a, a phase where there's war and you know people, are, countries are rubbing up against each other. So that, that's important to restock um, planes. The US is spending, I think, $3 trillion uh, looking for uh, infrastructure to boost itself under Joe Biden and the Green New Deal. That's gonna take roads, it's gonna take rail. Uh, that, that all requires iron ore. So there'll be pressure on the iron ore price to the upside after this correction. Yeah, I mean, look, it was down another 2.5% overnight, down 10% from its peak at a one month low, but um, a large part of that being considered because the Chinese apparently have put a halt to steel production to save the environment. <laughs> yeah, right, if you believe that. Chris, I won't ask you about Fortescue. I will go to um, another company that he also asked David for, but I know you know this business well as well. It's Breville Group, BRG. Um, and he'd like, uh, well, he was after the chart view, but why don't you tell us why it's been one of those quality stocks which has done well for investors over the last few years? Yeah, sure, Elio. I mean, to put it simply, it's just a really well-run business. It's, for those, I'm sure most people know, but they make um, domestic kitchen appliances. 
Um, and they sell them not only in Australia, but they export them globally. Um, yeah, the revenues have doubled over the last six years and profits have done well. They've also benefited in you know the last year from the whole work from home phenomenon and they've you know, been able to increase their sales considerably as a result of that whole COVID impact. But that impact, you know, it is likely to dissipate. So you just need to bear that in mind when looking at its future prospects. But it's a well-run business with a low risk profile. But my only comment or qualifier would be it's expensive. With a forward PE ratio of, of over 40, that implies strong growth will be maintained for a long time. It's not sure that such high expectations can be realised. It's not to say it's not a great business, but you've also got to think about how much we're willing to pay for something like this. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's, it would take something to bet against it, but I mean, how many coffee machines can you actually buy, David? But Adonis has uh, now just woken up because I've uh, spurted him into action because he knows your response is going to come now, David. Where is it sitting in the Elliott Wave count? Okay, it's beautiful. It's got a really good count on it. It's it's in like a one-two, one-two situation after extreme push down into March 2020. So I, I, I like this. It's um, probably got targets towards... Um, I don't want to even mention those numbers. That's um, that's ridiculous. Um, let's just say $274. Right, okay. So we're taking an uber long-term view there and maybe George Clooney has to take some of his billions and buy it out before it actually gets to that level <laughs> if he wants to keep making money. Look, there is a question, Joanne. I'm so sorry I haven't been able to answer this. Uh, you did submit this question a while ago and then doing my audit, you know, I take this role pretty seriously, folks. Um, I noticed that I hadn't responded to your question. So if you are watching weeks after being spurned and that I hadn't responded to you, I apologize. And hopefully you hear this response. The question that you asked about was Genman, code G-E-N, a recent listing, an iron ore producer out of the Gambon in West Africa, supposedly sitting on a lot of ore, uh, some 250 million tons worth, apparently, at 40% grade, which is absolutely excellent. Now, the stock's tightly held, of course, um, so the people in the know are definitely holding on to it. It listed on our market for 34 cents, but now was 26, and it's been a stinker, unfortunately. It hasn't helped that iron ore prices have been falling recently, uh, and that, you know, basically the fact that it's tightly held uh, means no one wants the stocks to actually go out and buy them because they don't want that risk. So, look, if you're bought in because you believe it, then I think you've got some time yet before you see that realised. Um, but, you know, suffice to say, there's a few hurdles I have to jump, but it is pretty exciting grade. If you got into it for a good time, not a long time, then I have to be frank that your stop loss levels probably most likely should have been set from here on in. And, and really, we just need some developments to occur before we um, see any more play out. Um, we've got a, another question from Neil. Uh, David would like to know the panel's opinion on a stock, Ionic Rare Earths. The code is IXR. So before you give us the chart view, I'll just quickly talk about the fundamentals. Uh, look, it's a social media favorite. You can't open up any of your favorite social channels and not see this code pop up. It's looking for rare earths in Uganda, uh, in the Makutu Rare Earths Project, of which it has a 51% interest in that particular project. Scoping study is due at the end of the month, and that's why everyone's frothing at the mouth. They're pretty excited by what could be yielded from that. Last week, they also announced that it started phase three exploration work, see the likelihood of extensions or what the company says could be one of the world's largest deposits of ionic absorption clay. 
So in effect, everyone's just sitting and waiting for the announcement. David, in regards to price, what are the traders doing with it? Oh, in terms of IXR, the trend is up. There's no question about that. The, que the question in my mind is whether it's in a fourth wave at this point, and we've got a lot of churning to do in this process. Um, I think it probably heads up a maybe a little bit higher at the moment. Um, maybe just tags that eight cents and then pops back down to about uh, five cents on mm. the downside. Uh, stop loss would be, if it breaks five cents, look for four cents on the downside. Uh, I like it in the longer run, but I think it's probably going through some churn. If I can pick it up at four cents, buy it at three cents, look for the next big move up on this one. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank you very much. All right, we're about halfway in now. So just remember, folks, if you want to catch replays of the show, spotty.com.au is where you go to find them. We're also available on all your favorite podcast channels as well. Uh, and remember also to take some time to download that ebook that we've been talking about um, on the program for a number of months now. Uh, download, it's uh, from Share Wealth Systems. It's 16traits.com. That's the website you've got to go for. It's a special purpose-built website to learn the qualities required to be a successful investor as authored by Gary Stone himself. And today we talk about what he feels is the most critical when it comes to being successful. So what is that trait? It's to be coachable. Because let's face it, you can fumble for years trying to open all the right doors yourself, or you can seek the help of uh, someone and the expertise. Uh, you know, Basically, they've walked the path before. So why make it harder for yourself than you need to and get a shortcut? Be inspired by the journeys of your mentors, including Chris and David here, before you actually put some money into the market. Listen and learn, and you'll almost certainly come out in front in the future. So download the ebook, 16traits.com. So 16traits.com, it'll cost you nothing, and learn why being coachable is an important, the most important first step to being successful in the long run. All right then, gentlemen, as we uh, commence the second half of the program, just having a bit of a look at the markets here. Of course, I decided to uh, change screens, so I've not got it on uh, at the moment. Ah, oh, there we go, thank you very much. Uh, that is not right, so we need to fix that little screen up. I can tell you now the XJO, um, is uh, currently up 0.36%, the XAO up 0.34%. So relatively flat on where we left the session um, to, before we just went to that little break there. All right then, so it's time for me to go back to questions. Chris, I will ask you this one here. It's a little stock that actually, um, when I saw it come through, uh, I think I'm gonna do a little bit more research on. So I'd be interested for your view on it. It comes from Chris as well. Um, the stock in question is uh, Field Solution Holdings. The code is FSG. For those are playing along at home, uh, Chris writes here. It's only a small company; it doesn't trade too much, um, but they have uh, a certain. But they service the rural sectors extensively, rolling out a wireless um, internet connection to regional Australia, and could make headway when the other guys are trying to focus more on the metro networks. And they're also now profitable. So, Chris, that's why I love this program because our guys bring uh, forward the attention of these great little businesses. FSG is the one that you're familiar with. Um, I, I must thank the other Chris for bringing it to our attention because no, I wasn't familiar with it and having a look at it is indeed a very interesting business. Mm. Um, they're already the largest non-NBN rural network in Australia and they're aggressively expanding their network using a, a fixed wireless network. Um, strategic partnerships with Optus, a whole bunch of government funding contracts because obviously um, governments are keen to be seen to be doing stuff in the bush. And yeah, they've formed a strong niche and they're capitalizing on it to grow quite strongly. If you look at their revenue growth over the last three years, it's doubled and they're on target for another 30% growth this year to something in the order of 15 million. 
and they're, they're still at the moment really putting a lot of effort into building out their network in some key areas of um, outback New South Wales, Queensland, and also in WA. And this will in turn give them scope for future continued revenue growth. Um, as pointed out in the intro, they've turned profitable now in the December half. So there's a lot to like about this company really. The main question is what price would be justified by its prospects. Now it's not gonna be a hyper growth company as it's got quite a small addressable market, but it could be a, a really profitable niche player. So don't get away with the recent share price rise, but think, you know, in terms of the valuation, comparing that with its potential earnings, how do, how do you think that stacks up? And that's the sort of thing to look at, but it's, it's a really interesting little business. Okay, thank you very much for that, Chris. Um, a quick question that's just come through from Phil, and I'm going to ask you first uh, for this one here. The code is 88E, um, and he says there's a lot of hype around the stock at the moment. Um, now, that's because you know, he's smarter than the average bearer and notice that the price has spiked up a couple hundred percent. So why don't you uh, have a look at that uh, at the moment, David? I'd be interested to know what sort of leaders or indicators may have yielded yeah. that uh, possible sharp move. This is, this is, this is uh, well, there's been a lot of volume coming into this ever since March. Like it's, it's been steady increasing volume. And what it did was it did something very interesting is it broke down, broke above the low of early 2016, which was on volume, a, a fake out. So it dropped down, everyone shook out, everyone got sick of it. And then somebody with big hands has come in and just started buying and buying and buying. Uh, this has been a bit of uh, one that uh, Profit Hunter Group members, my subscribers, have been asking me about occasionally. Um, and the, some of the smarter, faster, more nimbler ones. It's up now from being at, uh, let's just say, almost nothing to being worth 2.7 cents at the moment on my data. Uh, looking for 3.4 cents on the top side. It's probably done enough on the upside and needs a little bit of a pullback down to two cents for a pickup to stop loss below 1.5 cents. So I'd say it's, it's had a good burst. If it's coming, if this, you're starting to see it mentioned in the press particularly, uh, we're due for a pullback and I can see now on the medium term, which are the weekly charts for me, uh, I'm seeing it get into the right ratio of a retracement. So a pullback makes sense from here. So if you've had a good run in it, maybe sell one third, maybe sell one half. As Elio would say, free carry. Yep. Uh, that would be the way to go. Uh, look for the 3.4 cents on the top side. Volume is good. It's had what I've called a wave three. You may miss out by a cup, couple of pips, but uh, I think we're close to it. Yeah, drilling in top. Yeah, drilling in Alaska, the North Slope project, and they've just cased one of their, their first hole and they're looking now to do whole range of mud logging and a few other things in order to see it's uh, you know propensity to be a big uh, producer moving forward but of course Alaska is a very prospective uh, area in the world of uh, oil production as we learned in the last election of course or prior to that when President Trump wanted to buy uh, the place out uh, even though he owned it already um, but nonetheless uh, look it's um, it, it's I, I tend to agree with David here in regards to this it has spiked quite aggressively on the back of that news notwithstanding that you know the volume was coming earlier that was probably the time to be aware now you're simply chasing and i think it's important to note and even if you look at airtasker today a uh, recent listing on the share market um it opened up some 70 odd percent declined um you know and now it's up something like 30 percent from 
that's initial pop, which means effectively forget about the guy that got in, which probably is no one because we know these good ones are tightly held. If you bought in at that top, you've just lost 50% of your money and you didn't even try really that hard. And that, that can be the bit that, um, that hurts you. So don't chase, just be patient, wait for it to set, and then maybe you can consider that. But look, obviously they're drilling holes. And at the moment, the market um, loves seeing that. Uh, Chris, I will ask you another one because of course the current market is about spaceships and rockets at the moment. Uh, one that's come from Will, and he's wanted a technical view on this too, David, so I'll be asking you for it in a moment. Uh, Cleos Space, the code is KSS. Um, obviously, it's uh, looking to fulfill the role of governments and the like by privately sending through rockets into space and satellites and the like. So um, is this big enough or is this, uh, well, it's not profitable, we know that, but has it come across your radar, Chris? Yeah, it has actually. And, and indeed, I owned it for about a year. I've just sold out uh, recently. Okay. Um, what I like about this stock, it's, it's quite a niche player in that what they're doing is they're taking um, HF radio signals uh, and VHF radio signals from boats to detect where those boats are. So basically, they're looking for boats that are doing things illegally. And you know, boats normally um, send out a signal called an AIS signal to identify where they are. But of course, if you're into smuggling or some other dubious practice, then you're going to turn off those types of things. But the, what you can't usually turn off is your just you know day-to-day -day radio communications. And, and using their technology, they're able to detect these and then sell that data to countries and government organizations as part of a package. So they're, they're effectively a data as a service company. Now, what they've done is they've sent satellites up into space and and that's not an easy undertaking when i first bought into this company around uh, june of 2019 they were promising to send the satellites up then that took over a year before it actually happened in fact it was about 18 months um, that all the delays um, basically they were bumped by the rocket providers for other customers but eventually they they got some satellites up into space and then they're planning to send another bunch up in, I think, June, and then another bunch towards the end of the year. And as they do that, they're able to gather a whole lot more data. So, you know, in terms of trying to measure the fundamentals, I mean, it's really hard. They are starting to generate revenue, but it'll be a long time before that revenue is at a point where they're you know, profitable. But there, there is good um, prospects for this business. And there's only one other competitor in the space as well. So, you know, it, it's a service that there's plenty of demand for from militaries and governments around the world. And of course, just look at the broader um, security tech space, and we've seen a number of very strong returns. Uh, TNT comes to mind and a number of others. It's definitely a very lucrative business to be in, David, but uh, KSS, uh, just how's that chart looking? Is Chris jumped off too early? I love it. Mm. Um, it's got a great chart. It's It's got Elon Musk written all over it. Um, $1.22 uh, target, that's just a normal target. Stop loss at 64 cents. There is just something amazing about this chart. It's, it's called a one, two, one, two, and then we get a three, and then we get another three after a four. So it, that's really exciting if you are into numbers and Elliott Wave, um, quite thrilling, really. Uh, this, is, this, is a good, this is a really good chart. Um, just have the stop loss at 64 cents unless it, the rockets blow up. I used to work for a satellite company. Yeah. Occasionally they take satellites up and they don't come down. <laughs> or they do come down very fast and don't stay up. So, yeah, that's, that's got some really nice Elliot, Elliot work in that. So.
Okay, well, this one's for you. And Chris, I'll be asking you about your two stocks to see the light on in a moment. But David, before I do that, last question from the audience from William. Uh, Province Resources, PRL is their code. PRL. Just to read the narrative. He's still holding from 2.1 cents. Remembering we can't take that into account, um, Will, but you are giving us context. Um, he did lament not selling the day that he did 400% on the stock. Uh, it then pulled back and he lost um, half of that. Uh, but now it's back at all-time highs uh, and it's grown to be the largest holding in his portfolio. So basically, he'd like to know a good strategy to help him reduce the risk but not miss out on further upside. So what does the TA say? That's his uh, final question. Well, um, it's still motoring. Volume is kind of dropping off. I would say you have probably the best way to manage it is on the next burst up to bank a little bit of cash, maybe one-eighth, seeing as the position's so big. And uh, I had this with a, a person who had corporate travel from $1 when it was going up to $12 to $13. And he was worried because every, every small movement, every one cent move was costing him or giving him you know, mm. five to $10,000 from the position that he'd built up. Uh, so it's about easing out, but not getting out of everything because you want to keep it running for as long as it can until really something changes with his business. Um, so what I'd suggest is a stop loss at 13 cents if you wanted to keep that away, banking a little bit on the next move up uh, and giving us some objectives. I'll give you some objectives which may make sense for you. Um, really, oh goodness. It's done 19 cents just recently, hasn't it? Mm. 19 cents is probably where it will stop on the next move up. Above that, look for 38 cents and 57 cents. Uh, so probably stops at 19 cents, drops back to 12 cents, then has it charged through 19 cents and guns for 38 cents. And that's the way I'd manage it. Keep your steel stomach up because you don't care if it drops 50%. You've been through that, done that, you've played the game the right way until management changes or does something completely stupid. Okay. Which, you know, can uh, you'd be amazed. It happens quite regularly on the market. But of course, uh, William, as I always say, it's always fun to play with someone else's money too. So nothing wrong, but at least taking your original investment out and then you can uh, think of it more coldly like David has. And we only bring on the best to answer your questions. Okay, so it's time for us to see the light now, uh, which is proudly brought to you by our great friends at Macro Capital, who deliver to you market insights, execution services, and investment ideas all in the one package. So why don't you go to their website, which is macro, that's macro.com.au to learn more and how they might be able to assist you in your trading needs. All right then, Chris, it's time for you to step up to the plate and tell us about two stocks uh, that we're going to sit there and listen to attentively. And then we're going to do our own research and see whether they align with our own objectives and tolerance to risk. And you've got uh, about two and a half minutes, good man. Okay, um, so I want to focus on one large and one small stock. So mm -hmm. the, the large is Magellan Financial Group and the small one is Atomos. And I should say at the start that I do own both these stocks and I also neglected to mention that I do own Pushpay as well. Yeah. Um, so looking at Atomos, Atomos make um, video monitor recorder devices. And what that does is it enables videographers to get the maximum quality output from their video cameras and then edit it either in the field or output it to video editing software without any degradation in the quality. 
What um, Atomos have managed to do is they've formed some really strong partnerships with a lot of camera makers like Sony and Nikon and a bunch of others. And also at the other side with the production, the software production houses like Apple and um, Adobe. They also developed a ProRes RAW codec with Apple and they've got the license to use that. So what that means is that anyone who wants to edit their video in Apple ProRes RAW has to use an Atomos video capture device. And on the other side, the camera side, they've now got about 30 camera manufacturers that are including the Apple ProRes RAW standard and there's more coming online. So what they've effectively done is they've positioned themselves in the middle of this ecosystem. So when you might initially just think they're a hardware provider, but they're actually uh, quite a bit more than that. They're focused on developing standards and then positioning themselves in ecosystems. And, and the Apple ProRes RAW is actually only one example of that. They're initially pretty hard hit by COVID, but they've bounced back strongly. And they're actually generating revenues now that exceed their pre-COVID levels, but they've got a much lower cost base. And the share price, whilst it's rebounded from its lows, it's still about a third below where it was pre-COVID. And that's despite the fact that the business is now actually more profitable. So I think that's an interesting one to watch. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got Magellan Financial Group. Now Magellan have got over 100 billion in funds under management. And for this business and these businesses of this type, funds under management are by far the biggest driver of their profits. Um, and they've been quite smart. They continue to introduce new products and they've been quite effective at bringing in additional funds under management by making sort of special offers to their existing investors. Mm. Now, despite all this, the share price has retracted from about $73 a year ago to $44.50 today, thereabouts. Um, and effectively, if you look at the ratio between the market capitalization to the funds under management, that's that actually reduced by about 35% over that period of time. So, you know, whilst the investment performance of some of their funds has been a bit disappointing over the last year, if we assume that over the long term, they regain their average of, you know, around 11% per annum, then I think the current share price is kind of starting to represent good value, um, given that, you know, longer term focus. So they're my two stocks for today, Elio. Yeah, so Magellan MFG and Atomos AMS for those playing along at home. Okay, David, time for you to step up to the plate and give us two stocks to shine the light on that we're okay. going to listen to attentively, do our own research, and then see whether they align with their own investment objectives and tolerance to risk. Okay. Uh, in, well, I was on back, back in early March and I mentioned a couple of things. I mentioned gold stocks. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of those are up now 20, 30% in that time from the, when we picked some days of the low, not the exact lows. But there was another stock there, which I think Elia looked at me and said, are you weird? And I went AGL and I still go AGL. I'm looking oh, yeah. for $12.69 on this. This has jumped on really good volume. The investors have come out, the vomit has happened and um, AGL is in the box seat looking for $11.25 to $11.27 uh, and it's getting it's got through the trigger level which was $10 if you wanted to be uh, cautious about getting in it's broken through that level and uh, also looking for $12.90 current stop loss would make sense at the level of I just have to pull this out at $10 so a good big blast of buying and um, $11.27 and $12.73 are profit-taking areas, but I think it may go also to $12.90. So take part profits at those levels and watch it go through because this is a, a very good asset. Uh, and the other stock? And the other stock is 
Um, oh, there's, there's quite a few out there, but um, I have to say Boss Resources is still Go back, yep. still rocking. Um, and basically um, also some um, uh, bio, uh, sorry, alligator, alligator energy as well. That's been standing up. I've been mentioning those lately. Uh, and it's for about six months you've been talking about it. Mm -hmm. So those ones, uh, if you're in it, stop loss is on my advice. Uh, stop loss is at 12 cents on Boss Resources. It's at uh, 1.5 cents on Alligator Energies, and look for dips to buy in Paladin down to 35 cents with a stop below 30 cents as an investor. And not surprising to see AGL pop as it has, of course, when the government steps in and pays for the Portland uh, refinery and gives you all that money for nothing. That's pretty good. Uh, of course, Illumina has uh, the Portland base, but they're paying AGL to supply them with the energy to keep it running and keep the jobs employed. So, folks, we saw the light there with Macro Capital. Go to macro.com.au to learn more about their services today. Well, that's all we have time for. So on behalf of all of you, thanks to my partner and shine, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for turning up, mate. No worries, Elliot. Good to be on the show again. Yeah, talk to you later. And uh, to our resident market timer extraordinaire, David Hunt from profithunters.com.au. Thank you for coming into the studio. How good was this? so good. It really is. It it really (laughs) is good. Now, remember, folks, to go to profithunters.com.au. The silver membership is the one to look for. Um, If you put in that special code SPOTTY, S-P-O-T-E-E, you can get that for uh, one month's trial effectively uh, for a dollar. And uh, you can get to see the services that David puts forward as well. All right, so tomorrow we've got Niv Dagan from Peak Asset Management and Justine Pollard from Smart Trading rounding out the spotty week. If a question pops up to mind between now and then, then please send us in early question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 079 089. Thanks again to our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. And remember, download that ebook, 16traits.com. It costs you nothing, it's well worth the uh, time to read it. And tomorrow, uh, until tomorrow, I should say. I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty, and together we've been showing the spotlight on shares. Happy birthday, bull market. Mm-hmm.